All right, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet, talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and beheld a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. The title of Matthew tonight is simply, Come Up Hither. Come Up Hither. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege we have to open your precious word. I pray tonight as we look into the word of God and consider this subject, I pray that you would give us understanding and wisdom and help us, Father, as your children, to watch and be ready for the sound of the, the voice of the trumpet. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, we do pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we come to chapter 4 of Revelation, we enter the third and final division of the book. Of course, in chapter 1, verse 19, he tells us, he gives us an outline of the book. Um, things which thou hast seen, the things which are, which are the churches, chapter 2 and 3, the things which thou hast seen is chapter 1, and then the things which shall be hereafter, which is chapters 4, through chapter 22, which are still hereafter. They are still hereafter. You know, the rest of the book, chapter 4 to the end of the book of, Pro of Revelation, is still prophetic in the sense that it is still future. It is yet to be fulfilled. He says, you know, after this I looked, and then the end of verse 1 again, hereafter, yeah, the, great, the great question and debate that rages in some circles, at least, is where are we now? And what is still hereafter? And what are the order of events of the hereafter? You have um, in Christendom, and those who profess to be saved, and so on and so forth, and... Uh, you have different views of the last thing, what we call last things or eschatology or the return of Christ. You know, the Bible, we believe, teaches that the return of Christ is in two stages. First of all, he'll come in what we call the rapture. Now, that word's not in the Bible, but the Latin word really is. Uh, word, it's the words caught up from in 1 Thessalonians 4. But anyway, uh, we believe there's the rapture of the saints where we're going to go to meet the Lord in the air. He's not coming to earth. We're going to meet him in the air. That's what, and we'll see that. And we believe that that is before the tribulation, of course. So there's the rapture of the church, or the saints. It's not the rapture of the church. It's the rapture of the saints. Uh, and then there's the coming of the Lord to set up his kingdom, which will be seven years later. And so... Uh, we believe the next event to happen on God's prophetic time clock is the rapture, the catching away of the saints prior to the tribulation period. And of course, that tribulation period we believe to be seven years long, again, according based on the word of God. And it is a time where God's going to pour out his wrath on the unbelieving world for their centuries of rebellion against him. 
and he's also going to purge and purify Israel uh, in that time period. So we, we believe what we call the pre-tribulational rapture. There are what people call themselves as mid-trib. Uh, mid-trib believe Jesus will come in the middle of the tribulation, sometime in between uh, chapter 6 and chapter 7. Uh, so there's going to be some tribulation or judgment before we're actually taken out, is what they believe. Uh, there's also what's called pre-wrath rapture. And that is, they, these people believe that sometime toward the end of the tribulation period, the rapture is going to happen. And they, and they say that, and, and uh, you know, this, this is kind of mind-boggling to me, but, you know, a lot of people are confused. But they say that in Revelation chapter 7, where it talks about this great multitude of saved people, uh, it, for example, in, in Revelation 7 9, it says, After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with bright robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and under the Lamb. And in verse 13, it says, And one of the elders answered, saying unto him, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So, you know, the Bible is very clear. These people come out of the great tribulation, and the pre-wrath rapture people say, We're not going through the great tribulation. We're going through the first part of the tribulation, which is not as severe as the second part. <laughs> but anyway, they say that this, these people are the resurrected saints or the raptured saints. Doesn't quite fit the timetable, but, you know, it doesn't have to, I guess. You can explain how you want, but that's what they say. Uh, and so they believe in that sometime, and then, then, then you know, uh, Christ will eventually come set up his kingdom. There's also post-trib, which don't have a post to stand on. But anyway, they call themselves post-trib. And they believe that the rapture is coming after the tribulation. And they believe basically what they believe is uh, that, that uh, the rapture is going to take place. And we're going to meet the Lord on the way up in the air on his way down. Now, I didn't know this was so confusing. But, but, I, but I, I even looked it up. I looked all these up. You know, so, so the rapture is going to take place. And the Lord is going to be coming in his second coming simultaneously. And we're going to meet him on the way up. And he's coming on the way down. And we're coming. And so we're not really going to heaven. We're coming back down with him. So we're going up and down. Come back down with him to set up his kingdom. Now, I thought to myself, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But that's what they believe. So, and, you know, basically most pre-trib people also are many of them are, are uh, believe that they're going to usher in the kingdom, but anyway, that's another whole subject. So you have these different ideas, but tonight I'd like to give you four reasons why I believe the rapture of the saints is pre-trib. Now, to understand the timetable, you God's time clock. We are in what we call the age of grace right now. God is not judging the world for their sin. He's extending mercy to them, opportunity for salvation. If God was judging the world for their sin, these people that make blasphemous statements would die immediately. 
So, so we're in the age of grace, or the age of the churches. Uh, but we believe that the rapture is the next thing to take place, and the tribulation will immediately start, which is a seven-year period. It's called the Bible. Uh, it's called Daniel's 70th week. It's a, it's a, a seven-year period. It's a week of years. And, and then at that time, God's going to pour out his judgment, and that is described for us in Revelation chapter 6 through 18. And we'll, we'll get to that eventually. And there's some other things mixed in there uh, with that as well. But, but basically, that was Revelation 6 to 18 is all about. That time when God's going to pour out his wrath for seven years, a time such as was not ever since the world began. You know, there have been some terrible times in this world. But the Bible says this time is going to be worse than any time prior. It'll be worse than Hitler's Germany, worse than Stalin's Russia. There are going to be more people die in this seven-year period than any seven-year period of history. And, and so, and so that, that will be, you know, there'll be, there'll be rapture of the saints, the tribulation period. The saints will be in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ. The marriage supper of the Lamb is going to take place then, and we'll see that a little bit too uh, later. And, and then the seven years, the end of that seven years, the Lord's coming back, and of course there'll be the battle of Armageddon. Christ is going to set up his kingdom. We are coming with him to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Um, so that's, that's the timetable we're looking at, but we don't know. You know, well, nobody knows the day nor the hour the Son of Man comes. But we believe it's imminent. That means it could happen at any time. You know, people are looking for signs. There are no signs for the rapture except the falling away. And we see that everywhere amongst what were once Bible-believing churches falling away like flies, changing. So let me give you four reasons tonight why I believe the rapture of the saints is pre-trip. First of all, the outline of this book. You know, Revelation 1.19, again, says, These write the things which thou hast seen, that'd be chapter 1, the things which are, that's chapters 2 and 3, the, the churches, and the things which shall be hereafter. And you go to chapter 4, and you read, after this, in other words, after the churches, he just described for us the churches, and that, that is typical we are still in the age of the churches. So when he says after this, he's meaning after the age of the churches. You know, notice he says at the end of that verse, which must be hereafter. In other words, after the churches are gone. So you know, the things which are are the churches, and we are still living in the time of the churches, the age of grace. But the things which shall be hereafter speaks of those things that are after the churches. They have not yet happened. God has not yet come for his saints. He has not yet poured out his wrath upon the man for the centuries of rebellion against him and their persecution and martyrdom of the millions of his saints. He has not done that. In fact, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 speaks of this. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Verses one or seven through nine, Paul describes this for the Thessalonian believers, and he says, "To you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with might, his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel, of Lord Jesus Christ, 
who shall punish with, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony of you knew was believed in that day. Now he is not talking here about the rapture. He describes the rapture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Here he's describing the second coming of Christ. When he's actually going to come to this earth, he's going to set up his kingdom, he's going to destroy the armies of the Antichrist and set up his kingdom and rule and reign for a thousand years. He's going to judge. This, this is what he's talking about. He's in flaming fire. The day of the Lord will include that tribulation and the, and the battle of Armageddon and all that. So, so that is described for us. Revelation chapter 6, 9 and 10 talks about the martyrs that are under the altar and they're still crying out, Lord, how long till you avenge our blood on those on the earth? How long? See, God hasn't poured out his vengeance yet. It's still hereafter. Still after. You see, this will be after. This will be after the voice of the trumpet. There's an interesting phrase here that's used in the other passages of Scripture that talk about the rapture. In, in, in Revelation 4.1, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, in verse uh, 51... 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Paul, speaking of this, he said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. So I'm here about the rapture. But we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. The last trump. Of course, in 1 Thessalonians 4, again, he uses similar language when he says, uh, in verse 16, verse 4, 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with in the clouds together, uh, up, up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So we're talking about, you know, the, here, the hereafter. It is this, this time period that he's, we're about to enter, is after the churches. You know, in chapters 2 and 3, you have literal churches with pastors and people and problems just like you have today. Some were commended for their faithfulness, even unto death. Others were corrected for their compromise and indifference. Some were severely rebuked for their wickedness and idolatrous practices. But all were assured that the Lord would return and reward the faithful and they would share in his future glory. They were all assured that. They were waiting as we are waiting for the return of our Savior. And we're told, be watchful. In chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. So they were told to be watchful, to hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You know, these are the things that are, the things that are, are still are. I know that's not good English, but that's the way it is. They still are. We're still in the age of the churches. But something is missing from chapter 4 on in the book of Revelation. You won't find the church named anywhere. 
not there. There are no churches spoken of from Revelation chapter 4 to the end of the book. It appears, where believers appear again, referred to as the bride, his bride. Because the marriage has been consummated, you might say. You see, now we are the espoused bride. Corinthians talks about, I, you know, Paul said to the church of Corinth, I've espoused you to one husband, even to Christ. When you go to Revelation chapter 19, in verses 7 and 8, it, it, it says that let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. Now, the marriage has taken place. It's no longer a spouse. It's, there's a marriage that's taken place. And his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. So, so it's, it, it is his bride. It's not the espoused bride, but it is his bride now. The marriage has come. So, you know, we're talking about the hereafter. It's after the churches. You know, there is a growing hatred of churches in our world. And I guess from a world's perspective, I can understand that. The majority of, quote, churches operate like business. That's how they operate. They're like businesses. They're places of attraction, places of entertainment, with strobe lights, loud music, and just a little bit of Jesus. That's what a lot of them are. You know, I was in the nursing home there last week talking to that elderly lady, and she said, she said this, well, they're all alike, aren't they? And I said, no, ma'am, they're not. They're not all alike. I said, no, we are traditional. We are conservative. We do traditional-style singing, conservative music, and preach the whole counsel of God. And the lady that was their visitor said, so, in other words, you don't have the lights and the music. I said, no, we don't. You know, she had visited another Baptist church who has the strobe light-like effect and the loud and rock music. Faith Baptist in Youngville. See, one of these days, the traditional churches or the true churches will be no more. They hated Jesus and they finally crucified him and churches are being hated more and more and one of these days, God will say, okay, no more churches. No more will you be able to drive down the road, go to church, hear the word of God taught and expanded, and be edified and, and encouraged. No more will you be able to go to church, uh, and, 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 or, or will church send out witnesses to go house to house, knocking on doors, telling of the love and mercy of God for sinners and to warn lost souls on their way to hell. No longer will churches in whom the Spirit of God dwells be a strong deterrent and restraining force against evil and corruption in this world. Because the time of the churches will be over when we hear that voice from heaven say, Come up hither. Come up hither. So it is after the churches. It is after the churches. Your true, true believers will be caught up. You know, I believe there will still be churches, but not Lord's churches. Not Lord's churches. Um, and so, 
it'll be after the churches. Uh, we see, so, because of the outline of the book, so it's after. Secondly, the types that we have in the Old Testament of a pre-tribulational rapture. You know, in the Old Testament, you have several types. You have Enoch, who is translated before the flood. He's a picture of the saints, who will be taken out before judgment comes. You have Noah, who was preserved through the flood. Noah pictures Israel, who is going to be preserved through the flood of judgment and refined. They're going to be purged. But you also have another character. You had Lot. You know, we don't think much about Lot in this context. But you ever think about the fact that Lot had to leave Sodom before God would destroy it? Look at Genesis chapter 19, verse 22. Genesis chapter 19, verse 22. <clears throat> Genesis 19, verse 22. <clears throat> it says, Haste thee, these are the angels speaking to Lot, Haste thee, escape hither, for I cannot do anything till thou come hither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor. You know, the angels were really saying to, to Lot, Lot, get out of here. I can't do anything to this place until you get out. Now, you know, people have debated, was a lot saved man? Well, the Bible says he was. Now, his life didn't look like it. But the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, and delivered just Lot. Now, it doesn't mean only Lot. The word there means declared righteous Lot. Just Lot. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked for that righteous man. So if you have any doubts, there it is. That righteous man. God declared him righteous. That righteous man dwelling among them, among Sodom and Gomorrah, in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So really what you have here is two types of saints. You have Enoch and Lot. And, you know, of course Enoch was faithful was looking for the Lord's coming. Uh, he spoke of that. Jude makes reference to him, how he spoke of the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints to judge the ungodly and, to, and, and the wicked and so on and so forth. Uh, but, of course, Lot was compromising and living for the world. And, and we see this also in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, where, where this, you know, these two may be pictured here. Now, if any man built upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Of course, the foundation is Christ, so we can build upon that foundation. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If many man's work abide, or remain, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So you have Enoch, who was faithful, he was godly, His, he, 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 did, he worked for the Lord, he prophesied for the Lord, 
So he was rewarded. His works are typified as gold, silver, and precious stone. And when you refine those with fire, they are more made more precious or more valuable. And, of course, it speaks of also of those whose works will be burned up. Their wood, hay, and stubble. That would be a lot. Vexed with the conversation of the wicked, living in Sodom, and Lot, we know, lost everything he had except his life. Everything was gone. It was all burned up. It was reduced to ashes. The man who looked at that well-watered plain and thought, man, that's a good place for cattle. And I have a market right there. And I can gain. Oh, I, you know, I, I can still live for the Lord, but I, I can gain everything the world has to offer. But he lost it all. Including he lost his family in the process. He lost everything but his own life. Everything that he had went up in smoke. And the only thing he had left was himself. Save yet so as by fire. You know, what a shame to have eternal life and not enjoy it while you have it. Or see all your works destroyed, burned up, having nothing to show for a life. But yet, God delivered just Lot before he rained judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, I can't do anything till thou comest hither. God don't pour out his judgment on his own people. So, because of the types in the Old Testament, another reason why I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Thirdly, the restraining force of evil, which is the Holy Spirit, must be removed before judgment falls. Now, look at uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verses 1 through 10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 through 10. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by word, or neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, that the, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling way first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Of course, that's referring to the Antichrist. He's going to set himself up in the temple and, 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 and declare himself to be God and require worship of the world. And we'll read about that when we get to Revelation chapter 13. But anyway, verse 5 says, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know... What withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time? For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. In other words, there's, you know, this, this is already working in the world. But only he who now letteth will let until he be taken away, taken out, taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked, notice the word wicked is capitalized, so it's referring to a person here. Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders 
and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So, so he says that there is, you know, the mystery of iniquity has already worked. Paul, John said in 1 John 4, there are many false prophets. There are many antichrists already in the world. Now, he isn't saying the antichrist is in the world, as we're talking about here, but there are many who are teaching against Christ already in John's day. So there are many false prophets, false teaching in the world, and so it's already at work. It is at work now, but the Antichrist has not yet been revealed, and there is something that is, and the word is letteth. Now, we use when we say let, we mean to allow. But in our Bible, it means to hinder or to hold back or to restrain. You know, English words have changed meaning, and that's one of them. But... So it means here that there's something restraining or holding back the appearance of the Antichrist. And Revelation 6.1 tells us he's going to be revealed at the beginning of the tribulation. And we'll, we'll see that a little later as well uh, when we get there. But, but something or someone is hindering or restraining his appearance. Now, Jesus told his disciples... I will not leave you comfortless. And, of course, we understand that when we get saved, we receive the Spirit of God indwells us. You know, for, or, or Ephesians chapter 4, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians 1, verses 13 to 14 says, In whom you also trust, so talking about Christ, after that you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after that you believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of an, our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, under the praise of his glory. So it said we were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, it's the down payment, it's the assurance, that one day we're going to be completely redeemed, this body is going to be transformed, formed and we'll go to be with the Lord so we've been sealed until the redemption of the purchased possession Ephesians 4.30 again says that uh, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption now the word sealed has the idea of you know a, a, a king you know like you sealing an envelope but in Bible times, they would, they would seal it, and they'd put a wax seal on it, and when they heat that wax, and then the king would put his stamp of his seal on it, and nobody dare open that seal but to whom it was addressed. It was a serious crime. And we are sealed until the day of redemption. And the day of redemption, of course, is spoken of in, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 23. It talks about the redemption of this body when we go to be with the Lord. You see, the Holy Spirit will safely deliver us to our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes for us in the air. We're sealed by the Spirit until then. And then we'll be with our Lord in the presence of our Lord. But until that time, where is he? He's in the world. He's in us. He's the restraining force that is hindering the appearance of the Antichrist. And until he is taken out of the way, 
Antichrist will not be revealed. That means you have to be taken out of the way. You and I have to be taken out of the way. Because he indwells us. And he will seal us until we are taken out. So, so, you know, he is. You know, the Bible says that he convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. And he is, he is. You know, God's people, with the Spirit of God indwelling them, are the restraining force of evil in this world. They are also holding back the judgment of God. Because God isn't going to pour out his judgment, his wrath, until we're, we're gone. So, so that's, that's the third reason, because of the Spirit of God, until he's removed uh, through his people. And then the fourth reason, because of the promises made to, God, to his own people, to the Lord's people. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You know, God has made some promises to us. And we understand that God always keeps his promises. He always has and he always will. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1, says, But at times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as to veil upon a woman or child, and they shall not escape. By the way, Revelation 6 talks about peace and safety. They're going to say peace and safety. In fact, the Antichrist is going to come peaceably. Do you know Hitler came peaceably? You know, most people think Hitler came, oh, well, he was just a violent man. All his, no, he came in peaceably. He made treaties with everybody and didn't break them. He was a master of deception. So are communists. You know, they talk peace all the time. They talk peace. You know, we need to... We need to create equality and peace in the world. That's how communists get control. They get people to think they're, that they're for peace. But when they come to the power, their true colors show. They're not for peace. They're for dominance and slavery. Control. That's what they're about. You see, yeah, it's going to be a day when we're going to talk about peace and safety. You know, everybody in the world is seeking peace. But then sudden destruction, verse 3, cometh upon them as a trail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. See, God says his people will not be overtaken. And the phrase there, the, the word overtaken means to be seized upon. To take possession of. The idea is of the last day overtaking the wicked with destruction. And God says, you'll not be overtaken. You'll not not be seized in this. We're not in the darkness. We're not of the wicked one. Even Lot wasn't of the wicked one. God delivered Lot. 
And, and then, secondly, he says, we have obtained. We have. That's present tense. We have obtained salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. We've already obtained that deliverance. That word salvation means deliverance. Is what the word means. And the tribulation time is a time when God is going to judge the world for their sin and rebellion against God by rejecting His sacrifice for sin. Why don't you let it in a little secret? My sin was judged on Calvary. It's not, and it can't be held against me again. Therefore, it would be unjust of God to judge me with the world. Because my sin was judged at Calvary. And if you know Christ your Lord and Savior, your sin was judged at Calvary. It's already been judged. And we stand uncondemned before a holy and righteous God. There is no condemnation now to them that are in Christ Jesus who walked not out of the flesh but out of the Spirit. Romans 8, 1 tells us. My sin, you see, my sin has already been judged. It was judged on Cal- Mount Calvary. It's already been atoned for. And so we who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ will never, ever be judged for our sins again. They've already been judged. Thank God I am free. Free. Free from this world of sin. Washed in the blood of Jesus. Been born again. You see, we will be delivered from this judgment. Again, Revelation 3.10, in writing to the church at Philadelphia, he made this promise. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. Notice, which shall come upon all the world. Now we are not of this world. We're not of this world. But there's going to come a judgment upon all this world to try them that dwell on the earth. But we are not of this world. See, we will be delivered. We will be saved from that hour, that time of God's judgment. Well, she's got to pour out upon this old wicked world. You know, every nation, before they declare war on another nation, they remove their ambassadors. They remove their ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. And he will remove us before he makes war on this wicked, rebellious world. You see, God is not at war with the world right now. He's reaching out to the world in mercy and grace and love. Giving them opportunity to repent and receive the sacrifice for their sins 
as you and I have. You know, he's not at war with the world. The world may be at war with him, but he's not at war with them. But as, what was it, Thomas Jefferson said, the justice of God shall not sleep forever. There's coming a day when God's going to say, enough is enough. You've had your opportunity. You know, there are what we believe to be called dispensations in the Bible. You know, Adam and Eve had their opportunity in the garden. What did they do? They rebelled against God, and God judged them. They were expelled from the garden, and we have the curse of sin. And then you had the, the dispensation of what we call conscience. And Cain and a- Cain, you know, and, and a- killed Abel. And, of course, man, man became so corrupt that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the earth was filled with violence. Until finally God says, had enough. And he destroyed it with a flood. Start over with. Noah. Then he said, we're going to have human government. We're going to curb this. But again, the world turned to idolatry, so he chose a man, Abraham, and he made promises to Abraham. And you know, that promised people rejected him again and crucified his son. And so he said, I'll take the gospel of the Gentiles. So God's still reaching out to the world, giving man opportunity after opportunity after opportunity you know, even in the tribulation period, there's going to be millions, as we saw in Revelation 7, millions of people saved. They still have the opportunity. There won't be any churches. But there's going to be evangelists running all over the world preaching the everlasting gospel. See, God's not at war with the world now. But one day he will. You know, the question is, Are we ready? Are we prepared? Are we watching? You know, he he tells us to watch, to be ready. He told the church at Sardis, watchful and strengthen the things that remain. You know, one day the Lord is coming for us. We believe that he's coming in what we call the rapture. And he's going to take us home to be with him. But you know, the one of the things that's going to happen when we leave this world and go to be with the Lord is there's going to be the judgment seat of Christ, which is we read about in First Corinthians chapter 3, where we're going to be tried not for our sin. We're not going to be judged for our sin that was paid for at Calvary. We're going to be judged for our works, for our service. We can be like Enoch, or we can be like Lot. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you watching? Might God help us to be faithful and watch, for our Lord is coming, and it may be soon. Let's pray.